Welcome to the Hub Crawl, a roundtable podcast discussing all things Disney. I'm Eric. And I'm Tag. Each week, we'll invite two guests, apparently sometimes three, to bring a question and talk about one of our favorite topics, Disney. This week, we want to welcome Lynn from The Sweep Spot to the show. Hey, Lynn. Hey, thanks for having me. Also joining us this week is Aaron and Katie from the Rope Drop and Park Hop podcast. Welcome to the show, guys. Hello. Thank thank you you. for having us. Thank you all so much for joining us. Uh, Let's start off this week with a question about Star Wars. We're we're recording this episode on May the 4th, and uh, of course, we're not releasing it until significantly later, but who cares? Let's get some Star Wars content in here. When will Disney really get around to all of those promises from D23? When will Galaxy's Edge become the big, that big spectacle that was originally sold to us, and what, what would it take? Let's start out with Lynn for his uh, opinions on the on the subject. It seems like Galaxy's Edge gone through a lot of different stages. Like when it first opened, it was just Millennium Falcon, and it didn't feel complete. Then when Rise of Resistance finally did open, I thought, okay, this, this land finally feels complete and it feels leveled out. That one side of the land just was felt very empty. But now it's starting to feel... That way, again, I don't know if it's just because the newness is over. I do know that you'd said in D23, they had said that there'd be a lot of activity. You know, I, I'd like to see droids. I mean, every now and then they have R2-D2, but I, I haven't seen it. I've seen it on videos. So it shows you how rare it is. Whatever happened to the, oh, what is it? The lightsaber show they did in Tomorrowland? Colin? Oh, uh, with the kids. The yeah. Jedi Academy. Jedi, Jedi Training yeah. Academy. Isn't that a no-brainer to put that over there? That thing was so popular. I don't I don't understand that. Yeah, good um, point. Yeah, I mean, my sarcasticness wants to say, why bother? They've got the Galactic Star Cruiser. It's over, folks. <laughs> uh, they put all the fun stuff behind a huge paywall. Chapex happy. What does it matter? <laughs> no, I, Galaxy's Edge is an interesting place for me because the first time I went there, I, like, it was cool. It was grand. It looked interesting there was one of the attractions then like you said lynn later there was a second attraction and there was ogas which was kind of cool the first time i went in there but i'll tell you the last couple times i've went we found ourselves actually hanging out in galaxy's edge more than i would have imagined because we go back to get on rise uh you know with a with a boarding group or lightning lane or you know whatever they're doing at the moment and we usually end up we love the ronto wrap so much and i like the breakfast ronto wrap so much oh yeah that yeah. we do the breakfast ronto wrap and then like sometime later in the day we'll do a regular ronto wrap or at least sometime during the trip uh also the veggie ronto wrap is like really really good too and so we kind of like hang back there for i don't even know why but we just seems like we're back there a lot uh i one of the trips we went like we spent an entire morning back there and i didn't even realize that it had been an entire morning now yes i agree with you lynn i think we need droids i think we need more characters doing things i think we need more stuff happening around you you can blame it on covid i guess a little bit you can blame it on staffing you can blame it on a lot of things uh, i think that uh we'll have to wait and see i think that they have some plans I, it seems to be like they did with avengers campus with all the characters and shows and everything there that they should have done in star wars galaxy's edge so maybe as they get back up to full capacity at the parks they'll bring some more of that but what do you guys think aaron and katie 
I, I would agree with that. And I think, you know, before COVID, they were doing that Kylo Ren show, which they have brought back this month. Um, R2-D2 and Chewie are out more often the last few days than they have been in a while. So maybe maybe it is a COVID thing and they're just starting to roll it back out. But I remember before it opened, there was a bunch of hype surrounding, you know, you would be able to earn credits somehow using your app and that the characters would interact with you depending on, you know, how many credits you earned or how you did on the Millennium Falcon ride. Um, and that hasn't seemed to pan out the way that I kind of envisioned it. So it'll be interesting to see if they keep rolling that stuff out or if that's been scrapped. I know my kids uh, have really enjoyed taking their droids around and interacting with the various features there, but that was kind of a one and done thing. Like once you've done it once and you don't want to bring your droid to the park every time you come because it's kind of cumbersome to carry around. I feel but, that way about the lightsabers. I always want to bring yeah, my same. lightsaber but I live in the Midwest. I'm not going to fly that thing back and forth right. a bunch of times. And I am notoriously not a Star Wars fan. Sorry. <laughs> um, but I do love the Ronto wraps. So as long as they keep that there and the Milo Run juice, I don't even know if I said that right. Um, I'll go. <laughs> and we enjoy watching the fireworks back there, too. It's a great spot. Oh, yeah. Fireworks. So that's going to be the next time we go. I think I want to try to catch it back there. It's awesome back there. That's good to know. I, I keep hearing that. I haven't experienced that myself either but yeah all all good suggestions i i can't argue with any of this um i i'd love a lot of that but uh, yeah my my thought is also around the the play disney app all those games where you're supposed to be earning factions and and working with the the smugglers or the resistance or the first order and getting credits and doing things with smugglers run i i want something more than just when you're done with a whole bunch of this, you can buy a different outfit for the character that you that most people don't spend time to like create in the app. If you can do something like that, maybe earn a I don't know if you've you've looked a lot into the Galactic Star Cruiser experiences where if you really go through with it, then at the end, the people who are working with the resistance get to see a, a holocron that has Yoda above it and things like that. Really great special experiences. If you could do something that it. It, it isn't even all that special, but, you know, have something where a few hundred people are off in a corner and they get to see a special show. That would be great throughout the day. Just have have people experience different things. I think that would give you the Star Cruiser experience without really breaking the bank. Well, if there's anything Disney Parks needs more of is more faces and phones. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that wraps up our first question. Let's go to Lynn for your question this week. I came up to this question before the announcement of the, was it Tokyo getting a new Space Mountain, I believe, a new Tomorrowland, actually, it seems like. It was funny when I thought of this and then it came up like a day or two later. But my question is, what do you think should happen with Tomorrowland because at Disneyland? Because it's gone through a lot of changes over the years. And right now it seems very stagnant. Like there's not, there's more things closing than opening lately. Looking at the concept art for the Space Mountain, you know, rebuild that they're doing in Tomorrowland in Tokyo looks amazing. It's it's like a mix. For those of you who haven't seen it, it's kind of a mix between like the Tron light cycle run mixed with Space Mountain, like on the outside. It looks amazing. Oh, yeah. It's very updated and modern for now. What I think Disney now, if we're talking about Disneyland, what I what I think Disneyland needs to do is something that I feel like they won't do. But I, but I would hope that they would do, which is they need to bring back the Walt Disney level of stuff. Basically, they need to pick, okay, what do we want to keep from this land? And they literally need to level everything else. Because what we've done since the 60s is they built these buildings 
and they just keep shoehorning experiences into these existing buildings. And that really limits some of the stuff you can do there. So what I think they need to do, and I know that some people are going to come after me for this, but they need to probably get rid of Star Tours, put it in Galaxy's Edge. I know there's a whole thing of like, it's not worth it to like move it back there or whatever. On my podcast DL Weekly that uh, just dropped last week when you hear this, uh, we t- the producers, James and Vern, talked about how it'd be really cool to have a motion simulator where you get on Star Tours in Frontierland or, you know, somewhere kind of like a, like a spaceport. And then through the attraction, you exit the other side and you're in Galaxy's Edge. Like, that'd be such a cool, like, way to get into Galaxy's Edge. Obviously, it couldn't be the only way because capacity, etc. But get rid of that. Uh, get rid of the people mover tracks finally get rid of the buzz lightyear building get rid of the sub lagoon i know like i love the look of the sub lagoon but it takes up a lot of space and people generally don't like the attraction well the, the matterhorn sink if that happens no <laughs> and they and it's funny because mice chat this week said the the lagoon's been empty for months and the matterhorn hasn't sunk so that's obviously yeah. <laughs> false but yeah. the autopia the autopia takes up a massive area over there and i love the monorail but you could rework the monorail to go around whatever you want to build over there so i think they just need oh and the star wars launch bay which has basically been nothing forever they just need to wipe out the whole land keep maybe space mountain maybe do the maybe do the thing that they did in tokyo and they could just rebuild space mountain i know it was just rebuilt like 16 17 years ago that's what they need to do tomorrowland and and i don't know what they need to put there but something i do like the idea of going back to that 60s white kind of retro future feel i think that's the direction they should go because that still seems really cool uh so aaron what do you think i think and we've actually talked about this a little bit on our podcast um we would like to see like a yesterland bring back the people mover bring back carousel of progress the house of the future rocket Um, rods yeah rocket rods maybe update which sounds kind of um counterintuitive when you're doing a yesterland but maybe update autopia a little bit and leave it there i don't care what they do with nemo they can they can get rid of that that's fine um but you know there's some theater there's a theater sitting over there that's completely empty bring back captain eo or put muppets in there and just bring back some disney classics that people really love and I think with Tomorrowland, you're constantly chasing tomorrow. And at some point you catch up to it and you end up with what we have now. And if we're going to keep doing this and updating it and making it futuristic, then we're going to hit that point where it starts looking kind of ignored. And if we make it a yesterland, then it's nostalgic and you're not chasing that future anymore. Yes. And I would agree with Lynn. It'll be interesting to see with that reimagining of Tokyo Disneyland's Tomorrowland what might be possible over here at our Disneyland. And I mean, I would love to see Tron come over here. I know that's a long shot, but you know, maybe if we got rid of Autopia and the submarines that would widen up some space for Tron to come in. It's a lot of space needed, but my goodness, the the size of Autopia, it's, it's huge. Uh, Yeah. And I, I agree. I agree with tag there. there There's so many old buildings that, that really restrict what you can do. And it's great that Imagineers have been able to restructure things and say, okay, well, this is the space you have. What are you going to put in it? And we can re- redo that. But it's at some point you have to say, let's just take it down. Let's start over again. Let's completely reimagine what this could be. Um, my question, I guess, to both of you, I'm answering a question with a, with a question, but Aaron and Katie, 
I like the idea of bringing back classic attractions, but do they, do they hold up? Everybody loves the idea of the people mover, but if you could have it back, would it really work? So we went to Walt Disney world and took our kids for the first time last year during the Disneyland closure. And I have a 13 year old an 11 year old and an eight year old. And my 13 year old's all time favorite attraction now is the carousel of progress, which I did not expect. And, you know, it's, for her, she just thought it was magical. And so I think give it a chance. I mean, that's a big expensive chance, but give it a chance because I think future Disney lovers are going to love the classics too. Yeah. And my 10 year old, uh, he probably talks most about the people mover of any attraction, even though he's never been on it. It was closed when we went to Disney world and he's never obviously been on the Disneyland version. So I think that'll be fun. Good man. Good man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like I like hearing that. That's really great. My nieces, when we went a couple of years ago, and we're going again in June, so I, I can't wait to see what they, they feel now. But we went to Disney World um, a couple of years ago, and my they loved the People Mover. We rode that probably five times. Yeah. And I didn't... Did I get them in Carousel of Progress? I, th- I think we did. And they liked it. They were just over the moon about the Tiki Room. It, just watching them smile, I'm like, oh, oh, good. Okay, this sort of thing is going to keep happening. Okay, so you've given me some hope for the classic uh, Yesterland idea. I like that. And I think with some people, it will totally fall flat. That's just how it is. And But I think the railroad, railroad falls flat with some people too, and the Tiki Room falls flat. And so I think, you know, you're going to have mixed opinions no matter what you do over there. And I think that for me, I would just love to see some classics come back. All right. Excellent. Uh, Lynn, what, what's your take on this? There's a couple of ways you could go. I was thinking about this and what if you made it like another star Wars land, but then put the people mover in there that would take you to galaxy's edge and back and forth, kind of like the sky. We used to go to Fantasyland and to Tomorrowland, something like that. There's ways they could do it. And you know, I don't know if, if you've been to Orlando, I haven't, but I know how it works. The, where you take the train to the two different, Harry Potter themed areas. Oh yeah. Yeah. And the way they use the screens in there, like you're really traveling, you know, but you're going through like a back area. Really. I looked it up on the Google maps, but that's actually an idea that Tony Baxter had for, for galaxy's edge originally was that they would have two different ones and it would take you from, there's a parking lot. That's a cast member lot. It's on ball and Harbor. And that would be the other one. And it would take the same concept as that in Orlando, but they would, you would be like, you know, on a star cruiser or whatever, but back to you're saying to get rid of like Utopia and all that. I totally think, yeah, they need to level all the, lot of those buildings, but uh, Utopia is kind of important because not only is it, you know, one of the opening day attractions, but sometimes we forget until we have little kids, but they really love the, I think it's important to have that because they have like control of like something that, you know, when they get to steer and yeah, you're not really, there's a guide rail. But when I had, when my son wrote it and and he, he still enjoys it, he's 14 years old, but I don't know. I just saw it through his eyes and I thought, you know what, this is an important, because before I was like, this is ridiculous. Why is this still here? But I think it is important to have. Um, they just need to update reason. it if they just make it like yeah. electric cars or right. one thing that I thought would be super cool would be elevate it. So get rid of the mm-hmm. footprint of it, but mm-hmm. have it go around kind of like the people mover used to go around, but have it be like a track above 
And then it's exciting for everybody because they're driving it. It's quieter. Yeah. You get cool views. So it's kind of like a mixture of the People Mover and the Autopia. Yeah, because remember Tomorrowland used to have such a kinetic energy with the Skyway and the People Mover and the rockets were up on top, the monorail going through. There was just so much going on in that area. And it's definitely not that way now. Yeah, that would be really great to to bring that energy back. And I know that was something that was important to Walt. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, if we could find some way to just get that energy back, that would be fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's two questions down, which means we have reached our halfway point. It's time to ask you for your support. If you enjoy the Hub Crawl and would like to keep it going, head on over to thehubcrawl.com slash support to get some perks and show your support for our show. Thank you all for listening and supporting in any way that you can. All right. It's time to get back to the questions. We're up to my question now. And uh, this was a funny question for me because I asked it and then I realized I didn't have an answer for it. So I had to get some help, which I'll explain when I get to, to my round. But Disney, like other media companies in the last few years, have been on the remake bandwagon. Some have been better than others. What is a movie that you think should be remade that they haven't and why? So let's start with uh, you, Katie. So this is a hard one for me too. I feel like they've had so many remakes and like you said, some of them have been flops. So it's, it's hard for me to take one that I love and want them to remake it. <laughs> my absolute favorite is the Emperor's New Groove. That's my favorite animated feature anyway. Um, so that could be a fun one. I just worry that they wouldn't do it justice. <laughs> right. Uh, So I think my second choice would be Hercules. And then after I wrote that down, I thought maybe I'd heard that they were already doing that, that it might already be in the works. Has anybody heard that? I wouldn't be surprised. I I don't know that I've heard it, but yeah, that that, that would be an easy one, I think, to redo. Yeah, right. Chris Hemsworth. (laughs) (laughs) Why not? Why not? That's how you get the moms to go see it. Right. (laughs) So I, this one was a tough one for me. And the same reason, I think that so many have been done already. And so I asked my kids and my kids are huge Haunted Mansion fans. Um, And I know that there's the Haunted Mansion movie with Eddie Murphy. It fell flat, I think. And my kids like it. It's kitschy, Um, but they would love to see a remake or a do over maybe not necessarily remake. Well, you know that's coming, right? Yeah. Yes. And so we talked about that. And also we have the Hup, the Muppets Haunted Mansion, which I loved so much. And so, so great. I think what I'm getting at yeah. is they're excited for that. I I don't know. I can't decide what I would have them remake as live action or otherwise, but my kids are super excited about the Haunted Mansion. I, I love that. Yeah. Great, great ideas all around there. I'm I'm going to take it in a different direction and say, let's do a full wind in the willows treatment selfishly yeah. because we lost. I'm, I'm a, I'm a Walt Disney world. I grew up at Walt Disney world. Basically that was my home park. So I lost my, my Mr. Toad's wild ride there many years ago. And I love going to Disneyland and experiencing it in Fantasyland there, but let's preserve that. Let's get another, let's get another wind in the willows out there so that we don't give them any excuse to drop Mr. Toad's wild ride. Yeah, I like it. When I saw your answer on the notes, I, yes, I like that idea. <laughs> I do. Yep. Yeah. Excellent. All right, Lynn, so what's your, what's your idea? So this was a hard one. Like Aaron and Katie were saying that I actually had to pull up a list of like Disney movies because I couldn't think of anything that they hadn't already done or that should be done. But I came up with um, Sword, in the, Sword in the Stone. Okay. 
and I was asking my wife, I said, who, who would play the, you know, Merlin, you know, and she was thinking, um, is it Ian McKellen from um, uh, Lord of the Rings? Oh yeah. yeah. Play Ward, and I think you could play a good Merlin. <laughs> <laughs> Not even. <laughs> I like that. I idea. Everybody loves a good Arthur Camelot story, right? Yeah. Well, People liked Game of Thrones. You could just Game of Thrones of right. sort of the stone. <laughs> yeah. Strawnier kid. Yeah. Well, he, he's an underdog. Everybody likes him. So right. I had to go. So I did, like I said, I didn't have an answer for this. Uh, I did think of Emperor's New Groove, but I feel like that's kind of a perfect movie. It's almost like they had talked about remaking Back to the Future in the last few years. And I'm like, it's a perfect movie. You don't need to remake it. Like, not like you don't have to touch it. It's perfect. Producer James from, from the Deal Weekly podcast, he said Pocahontas because it was culturally a problem and stuff when they made it. They have an opportunity where they could make it so much better than it was or try to make it more, you know, woke, if you will, or whatever, however people want to call it, more, more culturally sensitive and everything for today, which I think is a great idea. And it's got great music, you know, I love it. Pocahontas, I think, is going to be my recommendation for that one. Yeah, I think they could do something good with that. You're right, Tag. Uh, so we've had some great discussions here. It's time for our last question. Aaron and Katie, go for it. So our question is, with the Hyperion and Fantasyland theaters both sitting empty right now, what entertainment would you like to see return or brought for the first time to the Disneyland Resort? There is... Man, there's so much. Um, <laughs> I mean, Mickey's Magical Map was great. So we, I mean, you could just bring that that, that back easily, but maybe update it, um, give it some new sets, some new effects. I that would be great. Um, I think uh, as long as it has kind of that phantasmic vibe, but during the day, that that's that's great. I think that would bring people in. The Hyperion, I love the giant sets. I love that they have this really high production value. So you need something big like Frozen and Aladdin. So in the, the two easy answers are Coco. Encanto, but I vote Coco because honestly, Encanto might have too many kids in the in the show. I think that's harder to pull off with with a multiple shows per day sort of sort of setting like that. I, I think Coco, you can you could you could probably pull that off on stage. Uh, what about you, Lynn? I was thinking for Hyperion because it's so close to Avengers Campus that they could do something Marvel. I have no idea what, but they have people that get paid to come up with good ideas <laughs> but <laughs> i was thinking uh something like that but i was thinking in Fantasyland theater because with mickey and mini or mickey's runaway railroad with that opening next year that they could do some kind of a show related to that to the those characters i don't know what again but <laughs> they have people to come up with that i don't know i think that uh that could work really well because a lot of the mickey minis runaway railway set pieces are kind of 2D and you could do a lot of those same like scene changes on on stage that'd right. be really kind of spectacular. So that's that's a really good one. I have to say like okay, so you said you could bring back an old one. I don't want to do that because I do. I do. My heart really wants to. Uh, Aladdin. Aladdin will always be my favorite show that they've ever had there. The the actors we, we had one of them on DL Weekly who played the genie amazing i love that every time i went there was new jokes and it was relevant if they've got to come up with something that has that kind of element to it so it stays fresh and you want to go see it every time you go there and eric like you said the hyperion is broadway caliber you got to do something broadway caliber in there right now 
Coco and Kanto, both of those movies, I think, uh, would fit well into California Adventure. I did want to joke, though, Lynn, that they should yeah. do uh, Rogers the Musical in the oh, Hyperion. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for those of you who don't know, it was the <laughs> it was kind of this funny thing that they had in one of the Avengers TV shows on Disney Plus. So, uh, kind of. Kind of just a ridiculous, fun thing. But I said that to Teresa, and Teresa almost beheaded me because she's like, no, because then it could never change. I don't want it to be something Marvel. I want it to stay something. But who knows? I think it might end up uh, going that way anyway. It's Uh, close enough, yeah. (laughs) Right. So, uh, Aaron, what did you have in mind when you came up with this question? So I, and we've talked about this on our podcast too, we would love to see something new and fresh at the Hyperion and the same idea that you guys have where it has to be kind of a Broadway production. And I actually just looked up Aladdin uh, when it was in there was 45 minutes long. Frozen was 55 minutes long. So you're looking at close to an hour long production taking out of your Disney day. We would really, well, me, maybe I can't speak for Katie. Maybe she has a better idea, but you can. You okay. Can speak for me. I saw your answer. <laughs> we would love to see the newsies. And so, you know, Disney owns the rights. They've worked with Alan Menken in the past. We loved the newsboys that would be out on Buena Vista Street, and they're no longer. Uh, We would love to see a Newsies production. And I... People love Newsies. People love Newsies. I love Newsies. A lot. And I would totally sit for an hour to see an awesome Broadway-style Newsies production at the Hyperion. Um, Back in Fantasyland, I would love to see some sort of maybe an up, like who kind of said an updated Mickey and the magical map and bring, you know, it's a small world is right there. So bring some culture in, have a little cocoa, have a little Encanto, have a little Raya, some Mulan, and just bring some culture back there to show what a small world it is. Mm-hmm. And then this has nothing to do with either of those, but just bring back paint the night. It's time. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me started on paint the night, man. <laughs> where, where, where did that and where did magic happens go? Oh Yeah. yeah. But hey, let's bring back the Main Street Electrical Parade again. I love Main Street Electrical Parade, but we could have done something else. Can, we've seen it. I I really want to <laughs> yeah. talk about this. Let's talk about this in our bonus section at the end because okay. I really want to talk about that. <laughs> Katie, did her. you did you have an opinion? No, I've just ditto to everything that everyone has said so far. I like all these ideas. Well, we still have time for one quick bonus question, and this week's uh, question is: What is your most prized disney collectible so aaron and katie what do you guys have that's your most prized disney collectible so we view disney as our family vacation we love it so much so each time we go our family picks out a magnet and an ornament and for me as a mom those are my favorite i like decorating our tree every year and inevitably as we're decorating our tree putting up our disney ornaments we talk about the trip that we got them on and it brings up really great memories. And I know that seems really small ornaments and, and magnets, but those are the things that spark the conversations in our home and bring up the memories, which is why we go to Disney. And I don't specifically like to bring tchotchkes and collectibles home from Disneyland. I mean, there's a few things that I collect mini ears being one of them. <laughs> I was going to grab the mini ear collection. <laughs> it's right behind me. But so uh, along that vein, my most prized collectible, I would say I have a pair of club 33 ears that a friend gave me. I haven't been yet, but I like to look at them and pretend that I'm going to be in club 33 someday wearing those <laughs> goals. <laughs> it's great to have goals. Yes. Right. <laughs> I've also never been. I, yeah, I, I I can I can see that. That would be pretty great to have. 
Yeah. Um, for my part, I have a few a few books that I really like. Um, I have this Epcot Center sort of hype book that came out before the park opened. It's called Walt Disney's Epcot Center. I have it on my shelf back here. It's it's huge. It's a very large book. Lots of giant pictures and concept art in there. Stories behind the entire World Showcase Pavilion and a lot of the, the attractions in Future World. It's it's fantastic. I'm really excited about it. But I did just get this map and I realized that this is a podcast, but <laughs> I, I just got last week a 1971 Walt Disney world park map Ooh. Nice. that is in pretty darn good condition. And I did not have to spend a ridiculous amount of money on it. So I'm very happy and can't wait to frame it and put it up on the wall. That's beautiful. Lynn, what about you? So I'm a big book collector and mostly Disney, but I have mostly theme park stuff. Let me see if I can turn my camera. I don't know, can you see all those books? All right. Oh, wow. <laughs> For those yeah. of you listening, there is three full bookshelves full of books. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot. But I can't just pick one. Well, if I had to pick one, I had to pick Disneyland, the Nickel Tour book. And I don't know if you've heard of that, but it's a great it's, book. Yeah, it's like the most, like everyone wants that book that's, you know, collecting Disneyland books. Um, luckily, I got it at a cast member book signing. So I have the both authors who are not with us anymore um, that signed it. But so that's just my thing. I have all these souvenir books, the hardcover and softcover ones that go back to like when Walt was there. Um, I have the opening day souvenir book that I finally found. It's a 1955 one. So that is a great collectible. I can go on and on about, about my Disney books. We, I think we did an episode on books one time, but yeah. Now, I mean, everybody's hit some good stuff. I would say, first of all, Lynn, uh, I got very lucky apparently because one of the first purchases that I remember making on Amazon was some Disney books. And one of the books that I bought was the Disneyland nickel tour Little mm-hmm. did I know that it was going to be such a hot commodity later. I'm pretty sure at that same time, I bought the Disneyland Paris from Sketch to Reality book, which oh, is yeah. also really hard to find and get a hold of. And honestly, until the last couple of years, I didn't even know how much people wanted to get a hold of these. I will say in this book, the Disneyland Paris one, it has my favorite picture from a Disney park probably ever. It's a picture of the Disneyland Railroad. It snows in Paris. So it's this mm-hmm. picture of the Disneyland Railroad coming through this giant like snow bank. And I was just like, that's so pretty. And just the idea of a Disney park in the snow, like Disney and Disneyland Paris is so beautiful anyway. And then I'd have to say probably for something from the park that I actually got from the park and not from like Amazon. Every year when I first, first went, they had these, the guidebooks or a picture souvenir thing that every year it's like basically has the same content in it, but they'd like move some things around or like add a new attraction. Love those. And those have some memories too, because I was there like with my family and stuff back then. So that's really cool. I, I, I like that book and now I'm, I'm jealous because I don't own the Nickel Tour or that Disneyland Paris book. And yeah, Aaron and I were just Googling those and looking at the prices on those. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. I bought it. I, I was very lucky. I got it for list price, which I think the the Paris one was 45 euros. So whatever that converted to at the time. And the nickel tour, I think, was another like $45. Well, they were both good investment pieces for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good job. Well, that does it for this episode of the Hub Crawl. 
We'd really like to thank our guests, Lynn from The Sweep Spot. Thanks for having me. And Erin and Katie from the Rope Drop and Park Hop podcast. Thank you so much. We had a fun time. Yeah, we're so glad to be here. Thank you. Yeah, thank you all so much. Um, join us next time. I suppose the listeners. You can join us next time, too. But, uh, but yeah, this is <laughs> yeah. more for the listeners. Uh, join us next time where we talk all things Disney. And if you're a Patreon supporter, keep listening because we will have some more bonus content after we say thanks, everyone. (laughs) 